Today on Run With Horses, we're going to think about rights, pride, and humility. I think it'll be a good one. My name's Norman. Welcome to Run With Horses. My goal is to help you thrive as a follower of Jesus. You know, there are a lot of things you could do in life, but I don't think there's anything that is more important or more valuable than spending your time being a disciple and being a disciple maker. Thanks for including me on your journey. Well, you know, it seems like in society today and a lot of the conversations that we have, particularly among older people and maybe more conservative demographic, talking about how young people feel so entitled, like they just deserve to have everything. They feel like everything should go their way. And there's this whole discussion of entitlements and rights and what are our rights as humans, as Americans, as uh, people who uh, try to do good in the world. It's a big discussion. And I think we can't really do well with that discussion or do the discussion justice without including the ideas of pride and humility, because they're so important when we think about our life as disciples of Christ. And certainly, it's worth being engaged in the discussion of our in our rights and our responsibilities as Americans, as people who uh, should be good neighbors in the world today. What does that mean and look like? We're not going to cover all that today, but I do want to think about this idea of our rights and how they interact with pride and humility. You know, our pride basically causes us to think that we deserve something just because of who we are. Because we live and breathe, we have certain things that we feel that we deserve. Just because we're humans. Just because we're alive. And humility, you know, your rights really are on one side, and I think your pride is what drives your discussion of rights most of the time. It's like, I deserve this. And I'm uh, the opposite of pride would be the humility that we're supposed to have in Christ. So humility helps us learn to give up our rights for the sake of somebody else. Even, even if we agree that we have certain rights, and I think you know, most people are going to say we have certain rights as people. I'm going to argue probably fairly strongly that as a Christian, we don't have a lot of rights. You have a lot of gifts that God's given you, but you don't actually have a lot of rights. You know, and all of us have this ongoing struggle, no matter where you are, between pride and humility and how that causes you to think of this discussion about rights and responsibilities. I, I would also say it seems to be wrapped up in the, the idea of loss as well, something we should put in there when we think about the discussion of rights and entitlement and responsibilities and pride and humility. We're all afraid that we're going to lose something, and we don't want to lose anything. We don't want to be uh, without what we think we should have, what we think that we deserve. So if we aren't treated as we feel like we should be, then often it's a maybe a loss of respect, or we feel like we're losing some kind of honor, respect that we deserve, that we should have. If we aren't taken care of as we believe that we should be at a restaurant or somewhere, that's going to be an offense to us, and we kind of are losing something. Well, we can wrap in, you know, comfort and safety and material goods and all that 
we feel like we, we're losing something if we don't get what we deserve. Well, the problem is, as I understand it and as I read God's Word and think about my relationship with God, God didn't promise us all those things. There are so many things that we feel like should be rights, that we, we want, we deserve, that God didn't promise us. And if God didn't promise it to us, then it's not guaranteed, and it's not a right. You're not going to be uh, healthy just because you want to be. You're not going to be uh, taken care of and have a, a certain level of comfort just because you'd like to have that. Now, you may have that, but that would be a gift, not because you deserve it. God never promises comfort or safety or honor or recognition for anything that we can do or have ever done. And that's just not part of our relationship with God. And if it's not part of our relationship with God, it's not part of our relationship with the world. So one of the things that maybe is helpful as we think about our, our own hearts and pride and humility and all those things is to think about the question, what do you really want? What do you want? Well, for most of us, most of the time, the answer is not God. <laughs> However, He is the answer that we should be seeking because ultimately a lot of the, the things, the physical things that we say that we want, we want them for a reason. We want this thing because we believe it will make us happy. It will give us comfort. Uh, it will bring us joy. Uh, there's something that we think we will get out of that thing that we want. So we might not ask the question, what do I want and answer it with God? We answer it with something else, but we don't usually want that thing. We want something that that thing will provide us. And unfortunately, if you want peace, you know, a lot of people just would like to have uh, contentment and, and peace in life and a certain amount of joy. Hey, if I just had a bigger house, if I just had a better job, if I just had, if I just had, if I just had, and they think that will answer it, Never. That will never answer that question. It will never give you the joy, the peace, the contentment that you want. However, the answer that we don't usually give, God, He can. And He promises to do that. So what we answer with, what do you want, is usually based on our creature comforts. We live in this world. We have a certain amount of of time and energy, and we would like to spend it the way we want to spend it. We don't want to spend it earning uh, food or shelter. We have other things we would like to do. Therefore, we feel like we deserve better pay, or we deserve the government just to give us food or to give us a house because we shouldn't have to work for that because we really want peace. We want to be content with what we have, but we need enough stuff to be content with. So we, again, it's wrapped up with that idea of our relationship with God is not the way we're going to answer that question, what do you want? But what we really want is only answered by God. It's only answered by a relationship with Him. So we feel like we deserve that comfortable house, a nice car, a better job, a, a certain lifestyle. And it's interesting that so many of us, even Christians, feel like we deserve that and we want that. You know, it's it's always been interesting to me how how many people who 
at least on Sunday and in the right context, they're going to say, hey, it's God is first. You know, I, I'm following Jesus and I want to honor him and glorify him with my life. But then you look at their life and their choices and their lifestyle, and it seems like it's a far cry from what following Jesus was when he was actually walking on this earth. The disciples seem like they left everything to follow Jesus, and we're often not willing to be uncomfortable to follow Jesus. It seems like we're a far cry from following Jesus, who said that the Son of Man has no place to lay his head, and who said, you know, who, whoever would save his life will lose it. He said, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Well, I'm just not really sure where, when you hear those words, you get the idea that safety, comfort, and all these material goods are included in that. Maybe it was in the fine print. (laughs) Was there a a Cliff Notes version or a a note somewhere that we missed? Because I, I don't see that when he said, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, he actually meant, uh, I'm going to give you your heart's desire, all the things that you want. I'm going to give you a nice house and clothes, and I'm going to give you just everything that you want. I, I have never come across that passage. <laughs> but we often live that way, like, like God's greatest desire for me is that I'm comfortable. So we pursue that first, and then with any leftover energy that we have, or time, or money, we're happy to do a little bit, not too much, but we happen to do a little bit, to, to honor God, to recognize that He's there. That's kind of a thanks. You know, let me give Him a tip. Um, seems to be a little different than the way things worked out in Scripture. So why is there this huge disconnect between what the Bible teaches and what we say that we believe and think and live? And I'll go ahead and say, I mean, I'm speaking primarily to people who would claim to be Christians, who, who follow Jesus. I understand why the world lives the way they do. If you don't believe in God, if you don't follow Jesus, well, then certainly your comfort in this life is all that you're expecting to get. If you don't think there's a next, a next life, if you don't think there's a resurrection, then yeah, of course you're searching for comfort comfort in this life, for peace in this life, because you've got nothing else. But I don't understand how, as a follower of Jesus, that you can even pretend to be in the same boat, because that's not, that's not what Jesus taught. He taught us that this world is temporary. Your life is short. Even if you live a long life, in Genesis we read that that will be limited to about 120 years, and we don't even make it to that, because our lifestyle choices do a lot to keep us kind of toward the middle of that range, maybe 70, 80 years. Well, this life will end, even if you make it to the upper side of that and make it to 100. That's a short time in comparison with eternity. And God tells us that this life, He's doing something. He's preparing us for eternity. He's not preparing us to be comfort in your old age here. And I always thought it's kind of interesting because so many people spend so much effort and time and money and really planning and and trying to do things strategically so they can get to a certain point in their life and then they can retire or live comfortably for a few years before they die. It's like, well, you know, that's 
not really what I'm planning on. I think as we get older, we get closer to our actual, what would be the equivalent to the retirement. It's not retirement. We get closer to that time where we can actually enjoy life. When we enter into God's presence, okay, that's when we receive the awards. Not in your retirement, when you receive the awards of the money that you've saved up, but in the presence of God where you see the award of following Jesus, of you receive the award of what Christ did on the cross. Um, that's a little different. <laughs> I think that's worth living for. Saving and working really hard so that you have a, a nicer place for retirement or a few extra dollars in retirement. I, I don't know. I've worked pretty hard at different times in my life and feel like I'm not sure it's worth it. <laughs> that's not what I'm working for. Why is there this big big disconnect between what we're working for or seeking after and what Scripture seems to say about what's important in life and about the value of the next life? Well, I think some of it is you can go back to the Garden of Eden and you have the serpent whispering in the ear of Eve. Well, what did he tell her? He essentially said, you deserve more. You're entitled to this. That you're right. God's trying to hide something from you. Well, I think that's the message people still listen to today. You, you deserve a little more. This, this other thing that you want, you, you deserve that. You should be happy. You should get what you want. So the idea of sacrifice and service, uh, we're not so happy about those things. That often would seem to require too much from us. We're not willing to give those things. It's too much effort. That's too much sacrifice. We shouldn't have to give up our rights, our comfort, our safety, just because Jesus asked us to follow Him. It shouldn't. He shouldn't expect so much from us, right? Well, we look at it, and we kind of make our own evaluation and make our own choice. Well, I've got to take care of myself. I've got to take care of my family, because nobody else will. Well, that's not actually what God said. He, he said you can trust Him, that He would take care of you. But... We look at the idea of spiritual warfare. Well, no, that's for other people. Sacrifices for others, services for others. Certainly we understand that the cause of Christ is important. If you've accepted Jesus, then you understand that, hey, this, I, I punched my ticket for heaven, and that's important that everyone have that opportunity, but I, somebody else should do that, right? Yeah, I shouldn't have to do that. That's someone else's job. It's important that the world hear the message, but, uh, yeah, someone else should take that responsibility. Yeah, it's not my role. I, I'm busy taking care of myself. I'm busy getting ready for retirement. And because thinking of others is so foreign to us, we we only can see what we want, our heart's desires really then control us. And that's what drives us to do what we do. Why do you work hard? Well, I get more money. Why do you work hard? Well, I'm preparing for retirement. Why do you work hard? Well, I got a car payment. <laughs> have so many things that... We do because of what we wanted, and then it locks us into uh, this trap. We got to pay for it. And so life becomes about us and about all those things that we wanted and that we're, we're trying to achieve in our own life because we deserve that. <laughs> so if life is about us, then of course, we should get all those things that we want. However, if we feel that we deserve all things just because we exist, well, that, that's not true. What we really deserve, and we don't 
often think enough about is what we were before Christ. You know, without Christ, you were eternally separated from God. And you deserve only to be eternally separated from God. If you have rejected Jesus, that's what you've deserved. That's what you've earned. Well, if you have accepted Him, then your view of life should be different. It's not about me. Jesus gave me a gift. I didn't earn that. I didn't deserve that. And because of that, I can understand a new idea rather than it being entitlements and rights and, and my pride driving me. Humility allows me to be thankful. Humility allows me to under, understand what I am without God, which is lost and alienated, an enemy. And humility allows me to see what Jesus did and be genuinely thankful. Well, that's a really different place to live from. Rather than being driven by desire and what I want, I can make choices based on a life of thankfulness. And I want other people to recognize and experience what I've received through Christ. So to fully follow Jesus really does mean to give up our rights. And that shouldn't be hard because we don't have any <laughs> You don't have any rights. Without Christ, you have only the right to eternally be separated from Him. Everything that you enjoy is a gift from Him that He can take away at a moment's notice. Which is one reason why most people live in fear most of the time, because they recognize, I, this is not really mine. Every breath that I breathe, God could take away it at any time. How often you, you hear of natural disasters and people lose their homes and their livelihood and all these things and say, well, God took away all of the things that they felt they deserved just like that. Well, if, if you live in a life where you feel like you deserved all the things, you're entitled to them and you haven't actually given those to God, well, then you're always afraid you're going to lose them. Where the opposite is also true. If you live a life where you're thankful and you recognize that everything we have is a gift from God, if He doesn't give me something or if He takes it back, well, I didn't deserve it anyway. I can be thankful for the time that I did have it. To follow Jesus means to give up our lives, or give up our rights. It is giving up our life. You don't have a right to your life either. To accept His gifts and then really what He invites us to do is join Him on a journey of faith. An example would be you give up your right to your time. How much time do you have on this earth? Well, we don't know, we, but we tend to mark time in America in 40-hour shifts, 40 hours a week. I've got 40 hours this week, and then I've got some personal time, and i got another 40 hours next week. Well, you don't know how many of those that you have. You don't know that you're going to have 40 hours this week. That's not a right. It's a gift that you're able to do that. The time, the energy, the degree of health that you have, all those are gifts, not rights. And the healthier way to view that, to help us be thankful, is to understand that we're a steward of this. God has given me a gift. It's His time. It's His energy. Uh, it's His health. And He's given me stewardship of it. I, I'm to shepherd that for Him. Now, without Christ, you're an ignorant steward. You don't understand who you're stewarding in this for. So you generally then steward it for yourself. Poorly. If you don't understand the goal, then of course you can't achieve the right results. But 
if you have committed to following Jesus, you understand I'm a steward of my life, then I'm using His resources to accomplish His purpose. And, you know, I look at life and on my own, with my own purposes, my own goals, I'm never sure if I'm going to succeed. What is success? Everyone, rich, poor, uh, healthy, sick, uh, they get to the same place at the end of their life, they draw their last breath, and they die. (laughs) Did they succeed? Did person A succeed because he had $10 more than person B? Did he win? That's not the way that God counts it. We know Jesus always succeeds in his purpose. So when we commit our way to his, when we commit our way to his, when we completely follow him, when we shepherd all of the gifts that he's given us for his purpose, then we know that we will succeed. He will succeed. You have to give it the right to your relationships. You know, I, you have family. Are you married? You have kids. You have siblings. You have parents. You have coworkers. You have neighbors. All of those relationships ultimately have been given you by God. He placed you in this position in life to be a steward of those relationships. You have the opportunity in the way that you speak, in the way that you uh, move through society, to help other people move toward God or away. And you're a shepherd. You're responsible for those. God has given you a gift of relationships, and then he's given you the opportunity to be a good steward of those. And I think at the end of our life, that's one of the things that we'll be uh, asked to give an account for. How did you steward the relationships that you have? You know, God is a relational being. He wants fellowship with us. He gives us the example of what that looks like, both in the life of Jesus on this life and this earth as he chose the disciples and spent time with them. And then uh, just even through the throughout the the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, you see the, the picture of the church is this family, and you see these family relationships presented with God the Father and God the Son. And the church is a family. We're drawn together for a purpose. God desires fellowship. He desires communication. He desires a relationship. You also don't have the right to have enough. So we mentioned time and relationships, but think of all the things that you have. Finances, money, health, uh, all the different resources. You don't have a right to have enough of those, whatever that means. (laughs) And it means different things to different people. But instead of relying on enough, whether it's time or health or money, what God wants us to do is learn to trust Him. We learn to trust Him to supply all of our needs. He is the one that meets our needs. And our need is not for stuff, for success, for fame, for fortune, for good health. Our need ultimately is for Him. You know, man does not live by bread alone. Food alone is not what you need. Ultimately, you'll reach the end of your life, even if you have plenty of food every day for all of your life, on all the time you walk on this earth. You're still going to die. And at that time, it becomes really, really clear food was insufficient. It helped a lot in this however many years that you live. It does not help you as you go into eternity. It doesn't matter that you were full every day. We recognize, we will recognize at that time that we needed more than just food. 
Well, we have a we have joy in having our actual needs met by God. You know, one of the things we need that we don't often think about, we need to worship. We were created to worship God. That is one of the needs that we have. And without God, that need goes unmet. So then we have this desire that we try to to meet in different ways. And we try to meet it in our own strength, with our own ideas, rather than allow God to meet that need that He created in us. We need to know our Creator. We need to worship Him. You know, we, we live in a society where we just don't value humility. We don't value self-sacrifice. But we, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're one of His disciples, then you understand that God not only values humility and self-sacrifice and service and all of those things, but he modeled it for us in the life of Jesus. While most people are searching for some kind of significance in life, for, for purpose, for meaning, for value, and maybe even temporary fame, Jesus leads us to a, along a path that leads to eternal significance of, of real true value. And it doesn't fade you know, the, the newest YouTube sensation, That's you're not going to remember that next year. I mean, you're not going to remember that next month. <laughs> that, that fame that the world offers is short-lived. There's always this drive for the next. What's the next thing? But with God, there is no next thing. With God, actually, instead of next, what we learn to ask for is more. God, I, I want to know you more. God, I, I want to give the Holy Spirit greater control in my life. I, I want to be more sensitive to your leading. God, I, I want you to be the one who has more control. Well, the world just says, next. what's next? And that's because all of those things the world offers, they don't satisfy. So very quickly, you've used up whatever that joy or whatever happiness you got from that thing, and you realize that that's not, that was not it, so what's next? With God, you, you recognize this was it. God, God is what I needed, and He's sufficient. So God, give me more. Well, YouTube fame, internet fame, the worldly fame, it's, it's found in the approval of maybe millions if you're an internet superstar. Uh, maybe if you get really famous in society, millions of people will know your name. And you really then are kind of a captive of their approval, and you're constantly seeking their approval. But real joy, real value, real meaning and significance is found in the approval of one. It's found in following a path that few take. It's found in following a path of humility and service, a path of sacrifice. But it's worth it. Uh, it's We live in a world that values rights, but you know I've relinquished my rights and claim the promise of Jesus, that He will never leave me or forsake me, that He will complete the work that He started in me, that uh, one day I will see Him face to face. You know, I've chosen the ancient path. <laughs> I want to live with my focus on the footprints of Jesus, and He's leading me home. And I accept the challenge to deny myself, to take up my cross and follow Him. And the question is, will you go with me? Thanks for joining me today. You can always write me at norman at runwithhorses.net with questions, comments, or suggestions for future shows. It can be difficult sometimes, but it's worth it. Keep running. <laughs>